Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing this morning? Great. Great. That's awesome. Good to hear. Well, if we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name's Colin, and I'm the youth coordinator here at Crosspoint. If, how's it going, Ethan? <laughs> if, if you're new here, we're just so glad that you can be here with us this morning. If you call Crosspoint your home, uh, we are so glad to have you with us as well. Um, we're just going to jump right into things. If you haven't been with us for a while, or if you're new here, uh, we've been going through a series called The King's Tale. Uh, the King's Tale is basically a series where we're going through the entire Gospel of Luke, section by section. And today we're going to just be diving into the next section. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. We're going to have the verses up on the screen as well. And then in your bulletin, uh, you're going to have some notes so you can follow along there. So let's dive into the word together. Starting at verse 1. When Jesus had called, called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you stay, or whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Now Herod the Tetrarch heard about what was going on, and he was perplexed because some were saying John had been raised from the dead others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets from long ago had come back to life. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this that I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. Let's pray together. Uh, Lord God, we just thank you just so much just for who you are, and we just thank you for this opportunity uh, we have as your, as your body to just uh, read your word and to learn more about you. And uh, Jesus, we just thank you that your word is relevant uh, to us today in 2018, that it's not this ancient writing that just, you know, that doesn't apply to our lives anymore, but this is something that is relevant and speaks to our lives today. So Holy Spirit, we just ask that you speak to our hearts and that our hearts are prepared for what you have to say to us. And we just pray this in your name. Amen. So I want to start off by asking you guys a question. Have you ever felt ill-equipped? Have you ever felt ill-equipped? You know, maybe uh, you weren't prepared for some sort of task that you had to accomplish. Uh, maybe you didn't have the right tools. You didn't have the right skill set. Maybe you didn't have the experience that lined up with the task that you needed to do. Or, you know, maybe it was the first day at a new job. You had no idea what you were doing. Or it was maybe the first day at a new school, and there's going to be these new friends, these new routines, this new structure of your life. Or maybe you just gave birth to a baby, and this baby did not come with an instruction manual. And you're thinking, how am I going to raise this baby? Have you ever felt ill-equipped? Well, there's a story that I want to share with you. Uh, back when I was in Teen Challenge, uh, if you don't know what Teen Challenge is, it's this one-year discipleship training program uh, for guys that are struggling with addiction. Uh, I was in this program, and basically part of the program is we'd get hired out to do these different jobs to be able to pay for our stay in the program. So sometimes we'd be landscaping, sometimes we'd be construction, uh, sometimes we'd just be helping out at a church doing stage setup and things like that. Sometimes we'd help someone move. And for me, let's just say that there was a lot of jobs that I wasn't able to do. 
Because growing up, you know, I always grew up uh, working, like uh, starting at age 14, I had a job, I was washing dishes, like I wasn't a lazy kid, I always worked, I always had a job. But the jobs that I did were all in restaurants. So like, you know, I, I washed dishes, I bust tables, I would, uh, I've served tables before, I worked in the kitchen, all that sort of stuff. But unfortunately, with a lot of the work experience that I had, I really wasn't able to apply it all that much when I was in Teen Challenge. So I remember when we'd get sent out um, to do work detail, I'd get so much anxiety and I would just dread when we'd go out to these different jobs because I was thinking to myself, I'm like, man, this is just another opportunity for the guys to see something else that I don't know how to do. So like, I, I would just always get nervous whenever we went. So there's this one job that we got sent out to one day and let's just say once again, I felt ill-equipped. Um, when I was in Teen Challenge, we were out in Kelowna and for those of you who know the Okanagan area, we got sent out to a job out in Peachland. And uh, we went to this really sweet lady's house and uh, we went inside to go see what the job was and lo and behold, it was a plumbing job. So let me tell you, when I arrived, I had never felt so ill-equipped in my entire life. You know, I didn't know what tools we were gonna need. I had zero experience when it came to plumbing. Um, I had no real skills to be able to actually contribute to what was actually being done. But luckily I was there with two guys and they knew what they were doing. And so I just kind of jumped in and helped out where I could. You know, maybe I'd grab them a tool or you know, I just clean up after them, or, you know, I was there for some moral support to, to build them up. But at the end of the day, like, I wasn't really the most helpful, to be honest. So um, I remember there was a point where the guys were like, okay, you know what, Colin, we really don't need you right now. You can just kind of go take a nap or go sit somewhere and relax. So uh, I decided to just uh, walk around and just kind of check out the house, and turns out there's this big plate of snacks that I found that the lady had left out for us. And I'm thinking to myself, like, I can do that. I can eat snacks. Like, I, I, like <laughs> if anybody knows me, like, I love food. I love snacks. So I started to, I, yeah, yeah, so good. So, like, I started to eat these snacks. There was, like, crackers. There was chips. There was cheese. There was all sorts of stuff. It was really, really good. So 15 minutes into this thing, I realized I'm eating, I've eaten, like, half the plate of snacks at, at this point. And, I mean, for the guy that's actually not doing any work, like, I really shouldn't have ate that much. So I thought, you know what, I should probably stop. So I, I stopped eating the snacks and I sat there and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna just have some shut eye. I'm gonna close my eyes for about five minutes. So um, I closed my eyes, I'm like, I'm gonna take a little bit of a power nap because I've been working so hard. And uh, just, uh, yeah, just, I don't, that's the most useful thing I could probably do at that time. So I closed my eyes and all of a sudden, a nap that meant to be five minutes turned out to be a whole hour long. And the reason I woke up is because my program director, his name was Anthony, he was this tall, intimidating looking guy. He woke up and he was just standing there looking at me. And I remember I woke up and I was all startled. I had crumbs and cookies all over my shirt that I had to brush off. And uh, I, I was panicked because, you know, I had been busted, I was caught. And my lack of skill set and my lack of confidence at the end of the day in that situation, it kind of just caused me to uh, sit back, eat snacks and fall asleep. So. It, it kind of became a joke amongst the guys at Teen Challenge because Anthony knew normally I did have a good work ethic. It's just that this time I was ill-equipped. So I want to ask you the question, have you ever felt ill-equipped? Because if you have, I think you're in good company this morning. So today what we did was we just read a story of a group of men that likely would have experienced feeling ill-equipped. You know, because these group of men, they were the disciples of Jesus. They had been following, observing, and witnessing all that Jesus had been doing in his ministry up until this point. And Jesus, he's been doing the miraculous. So, I mean, he's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. Um, he's been raising the dead. And the men that followed Jesus, these disciples, they were just some average guys. You know, one of them was a tax collector. Uh, some of them were fishermen. One of them was a political activist. And they all had been witnessing these things that Jesus had been doing. But there's a shift in the narrative. 
And at this point, what we've been seeing up until this point in the king's tale is that Jesus, he's the one that's been doing all this work. He's the one that's been healing the sick. He's been the one that's been casting out demons. And now at this part of the story, Jesus decides to look at his disciples and say, now it's your turn. So in this passage, we're going to read about how Jesus equips his disciples to be on mission. So right from the get-go, I'm going to tell you the main idea that I'm going to be sharing with you this morning. You can write this down in your notes. And it's super straightforward. It's Jesus equips his disciples. You can write that down. Jesus equips his disciples. And we're going to, so we're going to talk about how Jesus equips his disciples, the different ways that Jesus does that. And then we're going to discuss why that's important. And then we're going to get a little practical at the end. So the first way that Jesus equipped his disciples was with power. So right in the first verse, Jesus begins by equipping them with power and with authority. This is an important piece of equipment. Um, the empowering is literally the starting point. Before they can do anything else to actually be effective, Jesus is saying, you're going to first need my power. So, you know, so it doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how much money you can make. It doesn't matter how strong or skilled you are. You're not going to be able to do anything until you have my power. So um, in this passage, we're reading specifically about the disciples. Um, the disciples of Jesus, they were not merely people that just followed Jesus around. Um, these people, um, they were not, or the disciples, they weren't people that just wanted to be entertained by Jesus. They didn't just want to be observers of Jesus' authority. They weren't just these religious consumers that wanted to somehow benefit from Jesus and maybe just sit and complain about the things that Jesus were, was doing. But rather, these disciples, they were committed. Uh, the disciples, they were the ones that were committed to following Jesus, serving Jesus, learning from Jesus, and obeying what Jesus had been teaching them. And it says that Jesus equipped his disciples with both power and authority. Uh, the words in these texts, they literally mean to have strength, uh, force, or ability alongside of absolute authority or official power. And these abilities, uh, gave, or they were able to accomplish uh, these two things with the power that uh, Jesus gave them, and that was to cast out demons and to heal the sick. Uh, Rob taught before, um, there's this reality of the demonic that we find in scripture. Uh, if you want to learn more about the reality of the demonic, I highly recommend that you listen to the sermon from a couple of weeks ago. It's called Demonic Pigs. Uh, you can find that on the website. Um, but essentially, there's this reality of demonic forces that's found in the unseen world that manifest themselves in really, really bizarre ways. So when we read of the devil and demons in scripture, you know, I think it's misconceived at times, especially in 2018, that the devil and demons are just these uh, terms that we use as metaphors or as symbols to resemble evil that's in the world. But demons are literally a spiritual reality that play a part in the world, and Jesus is addressing the fact that the, demon the reality of the demonic is just as real as any sort of physical ailment that could be taking place. So, you know, in the West, the ideas of uh, demons and dark spiritual forces, they can seem archaic or they can seem like ancient ideas that we should just toss aside. But we can't do that as we actually dive into scripture. And we want to encourage you um, as we journey through the King's Tale and we talk about the reality of spirit, uh, the spiritual world, that it's not unreasonable to consider the fact that there's more to the world than just the tangible physical realities that we see in the day to day. So with that being said, uh, Jesus, he's equipping the disciples to drive these demons out. And specifically, he, has the, or he gives them the power to be able to drive out all of the demons. So all the spiritual workings in the world, all the spiritual powers that aim to work against God are under the authority of the disciples. And that's only because Jesus equipped them to be able to do it. It also says in the text that Jesus also equipped them with the power to heal. Um, we've read in the gospel account so far, Jesus has been able to bring sight to the blind, make the lame walk, reverse the certainty of death. And when it comes to illness and disease, Jesus, he has the power to completely restore people. 
And the cool thing is, is that when Jesus, when he'd go about restoring people's physical bodies, he wasn't just healing the physical body, but he was actually doing something so much more. He was actually uh, restoring their social standing. Because at this time, oftentimes when people were sick, it was seen to be a result of some sort of sin that was in their life. Or um, when they were sick, sometimes it would cause them to be outsiders in that society. So Jesus, when he healed somebody, it wasn't just restoring the physical body, but he was actually restoring the person's dignity and their purpose in that society as well. It's really cool. But when it comes to the powers that the disciples were given, you know, if they tried to act on their own, if they tried to do it with their own strength, their casting out of demons, it, uh, it wouldn't have worked out. Their prayers for the healing, it would have fell flat. And ultimately, the disciples, they needed to be equipped with an, a power and authority that was not from themselves. Um, a couple weeks ago, I was uh, starting to work on this sermon, and I was going through the text, and uh, I, I love to work at Starbucks. It's kind of my favorite place to work on assignments, to, and to just plug away, drink coffee. It's, it's one of my, it's, it's, it's my uh, peaceful, sweet place that I like to hang out at. And I was working on this sermon, and uh, I remember I was sitting there, and these two police officers walked in. They were really tall, buff-looking dudes. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm like, man, you guys make a great sermon illustration. So I, so, 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 so I was sitting there, I was thinking about it, and I'm like, these police officers, they were equipped with both power and authority, you know, because they had this, this, the strength to be able to take someone down if they needed to. They had the authority to arrest someone if, they, if the situation needed to as well. Um, you know, they had their guns, they had their uh, handcuffs, they had their batons, uh, that was their power. But they also had their uniforms and their badge that represented their authority. So when it comes to the police pulling somebody over, it's not because they're doing it on their own authority, but rather an authority that's bigger than themselves, that's been delegated to them. So, you know, because I was thinking about it, because if I tried pulling somebody over because someone upset me in traffic, I don't think it would end too well. Probably a punch to the face or them speeding off, it just, it just wouldn't work out well. But going to the disciples, it was the power and authority that Jesus equipped them with that gave them the ability to make a divine impact on both the seen and the unseen. So um, this power and authority that the disciples had, it was pure, it was not tainted. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, I think in a sinful, broken world, the one that we live in, uh, power and authority, it can be distorted, it can be tainted. Uh, some people use power and authority to be able to um, lord it over other people based out of their own insecurity and their own desire for power. People will use power and authority to dominate it over people, to exploit people. Um, we've seen that with the whole Me Too movement. A lot of stuff has come to light. Um, to bring harm or to oppress others. And ultimately, power and authority can be used to glorify themselves. And the thing that's cool about the authority and power that Jesus gave is that it did the complete opposite of any of those things. It set people free. It restored people's dignity, their health, their social standing. And ultimately, it glorified God. So with this in mind, we're going to jump to the second piece of equipment. You can write this one down as well. The second piece of equipment that Jesus uh, gave the disciples was purpose. And what I mean by this is that, you know, Jesus, he didn't just equip the disciples with uh, power to be able to suit their own needs, but rather it was for something bigger. The purpose for the disciples uh, was to be sent and to proclaim the kingdom of God. So not only were the disciples called to bring healing and restoration, but those were actually to validate the message that they were going to be bringing to people. It's not just the medium of the miracles, but it's the message of the kingdom. And the reality is, is that the disciples of Jesus, they didn't just get to sit back and watch Jesus do all this stuff forever. But Jesus equipped them to be sent. And here's the thing. Being sent is part of the purpose of being a disciple. They are sent to proclaim the kingdom of God. And the kingdom that they proclaimed, it wasn't like any other kingdom that they would have seen at that time. It was not a kingdom of dominance. It was not a kingdom that aimed to overthrow the Roman rule at the time. 
but rather it was a kingdom that would be established according to the rule and reign of Christ. And the kingdom of God has these radical values, and we've talked about them in the weeks past, such as turning the other cheek, loving your enemies, caring for the poor, restoration for the marginalized, and greatness not being found through power and strength, but actually through humility and through service. The kingdom of God is an upside-down kingdom, and this is what the disciples were meant to proclaim. And the kingdom rule, it was announced by the arrival of Christ, and Christ's teachings would shape his followers' views of salvation, money, sex, power, morality, and justice. And the teaching of the kingdom, it wasn't just about the salvation, about the life to come, but it actually had implications for the hearers then, and has implications for our life now. Just a bit of a sidebar, I mean, I think sometimes we think that Christianity is about going to heaven, but I think the bigger picture is about heaven getting into us, and us walking out in that. So the, the purpose of the disciples, it was urgent, it was precise. We read in verse 5, uh, if people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. What, what does this even mean? Well, Jesus, he's charging the disciples to proclaim and to heal, but he's also charging, charging them not to waste their time with people that did not want to welcome them. He instructs them to look for people of peace, people that were willing to hear the message that they had. So as they went on mission, if anyone were to reject them, they were just to shake the dust off their feet. Um, they weren't called at that time to continually try to convert people, to try to convince people, to try to have these uh, crazy arguments about why they should be listening uh, to the message. You know, they weren't meant to get all caught up in being offended because people didn't want to hear the message that they had to say, but rather they were just to testify to God's goodness, perform miracles, and share with the people that were willing to hear. You know, they were equipped to do the task, nothing more, nothing less. Because here's the reality. Some people were just not ready to hear the message of the kingdom. You know, some people, they were hard-hearted. Uh, some people were des weren't desperate enough to hear it. Uh, some people, they were unwilling to change their ways. And maybe it was all those things. Because sometimes there are just people in life that are just hostile to any idea of Jesus. You know, any conversation that's had, any mention of what scripture has to say, Especially today, we find there's this subjectivity of what's right, what's wrong. There's the, the lines are getting a little blurred. Some people are just not ready to hear the message of the gospel. And the Jewish people, they would have recognized this phrase at the time. Essentially, Jewish people, whenever they went through a Gentile city or they went through or around a Gentile city, they would shake the dust off their feet and basically it would just symbolize that they didn't want to take anything from them, from these Gentile cities. So when they went to these Jewish uh, villages and they, anytime they were rejected, basically they were saying, they were being viewed as Gentile cities. You know, they were not meant to play the role of God himself, but rather they were to witness, uh, to be a witness of God's goodness and his kingdom. So kind of like a courtroom, the disciples, they weren't meant to take the seat of the judge, uh, deciding who should be saved and who not, but rather they were to witness and testify to the kingdom of God. And it merely pronounced God's judgment on the town and gave the final decision over to God. Because I know for myself, there's a lot of friends that, that knew me before, and they know me now. And some of them, they think that I'm brainwashed. They think that I've kind of gone crazy with the whole Jesus thing. And then I have friends that, you know, like, they might not be believers, but they're at least open to conversation. They're, we're able to have dialogue. They're people of peace. But with the people that are really hostile towards any conversation about it, it's not my job to try to convince them. It's not my job to try to, you know, be forceful in conversation and try to come up with these crazy arguments. But rather, I'm just to testify and be a witness to God's goodness in my life. So with that being said, we're just going to jump to the last piece of equipment that Jesus provided for his disciples. So the third way that Jesus equipped his disciples was through provision. So Jesus in the text, he tells the disciples to take nothing with them. 
That's kind of weird because we're saying that Jesus is providing. Let's go back to the third verse. He says, he told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. So wait a minute, is Jesus providing, like how is Jesus providing for them? Because he's actually not giving them anything. He's not giving them anything tangible that they can, other than the power and authority, of course, but there's nothing tangible that he's telling them to take on the journey. And I think that's because there's a truth that we can take away from the text, and that's that Jesus will often provide through people. You know, I think sometimes in our faith journey, we expect God to merely provide in these radical spiritual ways, and sometimes he can. Like, I mean, like sometimes it's like, oh God, it'd be nice to have some money up here in my wallet, or kind of like a manna from heaven type experience. And, you know, I'm not saying that that can't happen, but I think oftentimes Jesus will equip through people, or he will provide through people, sorry. And Jesus, he, you know, he equipped the disciples with power and with purpose, but he's wanting to reassure them that as he sends them out, that they're going to have all that they need as long as they're being obedient to the call. And here's the thing, I know it's one thing to, like, like read about this and to know this, but it's another to actually live this out. Because I know, I know for myself, like, I'm a really anxious person, I like to be in control, I like to just make things happen. So for me, when it comes to trusting God to provide, I know that's an area in my life where I struggle. And the thing that I find so interesting is that even when I've experienced God provide in such crazy ways in the past, I still struggle sometimes to trust him for the future. Um, there was this other time when I was at Teen Challenge. Um, when we were in the program, there was a, we didn't have a lot of money to be able to buy our own food. So oftentimes we got food donated and uh, we relied on other individuals or organizations to be able to drop off the food. And it was awesome. Like, I mean, a lot of the time we had good stuff. But um, there was this point where I remember we were short on a lot of items, and there was this time where we were just, uh, we were out of cheese, milk, and eggs. And I remember, like, I'm like man, like, it, we, we thought to ourselves, it'd be so cool if we had some cheese, milk, and eggs. So uh, that'll always be in my head, cheese, milk, and eggs. And I remember, uh, so we were talking about this amongst ourselves, and I remember our program manager, he came up to us, and he said, guys, like, why don't we actually sit and pray for some cheese, milk, and eggs? And... I, like, I was really early in my discipleship journey, like, in just learning to trust God for this kind of stuff, and I'm thinking to myself, like, what? Like, sit and pray for cheese, milk, and eggs? Like, I mean, doesn't that seem kind of lazy, just to sit and pray for it? Like, can't we, like, go make some money and go buy some cheese, milk, and eggs? Like, I just, I couldn't wrap my head around it at first, and I'm just being honest. But we decided to listen to what he had to say, and uh, we sat down, and we prayed, and we just said, like, God, you know, if you could, we'd love some cheese, milk, and eggs. So... Yeah, we prayed, and we're like, okay, if it's God's will for this stuff to arrive, that's awesome. So we went about our day. We continued to work around the site, and we were just uh, doing some work around the facility. And all of a sudden, we see this vehicle drive up onto our driveway. And we're like, huh, interesting. So there's this couple that came out of the vehicle, and it's a couple that we had recognized. They had come to our chapel services before, and we had seen them around the center. And then all of a sudden, they came out with these grocery bags. I think you know where I'm going with this. And we went up to see what they had, and lo and behold, it was exactly what we prayed for. Jugs of milk, blocks of cheese, cartons of eggs. I couldn't believe it. You know, and like, it's not like the stuff just randomly appeared in the fridge, but it was just some people that heard the voice of God, and they just said, hey, it was on our heart to bring this stuff to the center, and we wanted to provide this for you. It was super mind-blowing, and I couldn't believe it. And it wasn't the last time that stuff like that would happen. But here's the thing. What did that experience do for us at Teen Challenge? Well, yeah, we got the food items that we uh, prayed for, but I think it did something more for us. I think it reassured the fact that in our walk of discipleship, when we're stepping out in faith and following the call of God, God provides us with all that we need. We don't need to worry about it. And that God provides through people. 
You know, the disciples in the passage, they were called to bring nothing because Jesus would equip them with all that they need, and that would be through people. Um, you know, the mission was meant to be the main focus for them, and uh, in this part of the discipleship journey, Jesus gave them an opportunity for them to learn how to trust him. So in the text, uh, Jesus equipped his disciples with power, he equipped them with purpose, and he equipped them with provision. And ultimately, he equips them for effective ministry. So if you're new to church this morning, or maybe you've been here for a while, you might be wondering, like, who are Jesus' disciples today? You know, were they just the 12 that followed Jesus at the time in the scripture that we just read? Are they devout religious people? Are they Bible college students? Are they people that just attend church? Well, no, this is, what, this is who the disciples of Jesus are. They're those who are committed to following and step with Jesus. They're willing to walk and obey Jesus' teaching, to seek after God in their own personal life. Disciples today are those who are on mission. They're communing with God, and they're living their lives in, in submission to Jesus' lordship. So a disciple is not someone who merely attends church, but rather is someone who has fully committed their lives um, with, to be with and to live their lives for Jesus. And here's the thing, at Crosspoint, that's the mission of Crosspoint. That's part of our DNA, and that's to make disciples. You know, we want to create a space where lives can be transformed and equipped by Jesus. So for those of us today who would call, ourselves, would call ourselves disciples, or if you're here and you're considering taking this discipleship journey yourself, I want to ask you guys the question. Do you feel ill-equipped for the call to discipleship? When it comes to living a life that is set apart from the world, do you feel ill-equipped? When it comes to living a life that is effective and that's one of impact, do you feel ill-equipped? When it comes to maybe seeing your marriage restored, your marriage is falling apart, do you feel ill-equipped? Maybe you're in some sort of addiction and you want to be set free from it. Do you feel ill-equipped? Maybe you're at church and you've been attending church for a while and you're complacent and you want to see that complacency turned into passion. You want to be excited about Jesus again. Do you feel ill-equipped? If the answer is yes, I'm going to say good. Because here's the bottom line that I want to share with us this morning. It's not about us. Because Jesus equips his disciples. You know, it's not about your previous experience. It's not about your lack of experience. It's not about your own skills. It's not about your own power. It's not about your own strength. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It just matters where God is taking you to today. And ultimately, being equipped is realizing that it's not about us. You know, the disciples, they went out, uh, disciples, they started out from casting out nets for fish to casting out demons from people. These disciples, most of them probably would have felt ill-equipped, uh, that they weren't capable of doing the work of Jesus. But here's the thing, Jesus chose them anyways. You know, it's so easy to compare ourselves to other people. I struggle with it. There's people with different gifts, with different talents, with different abilities. We can compare ourselves to those people. But here's the thing. That God in his sovereignty, God in his divine plan, he decided to choose you. He chose me. If it was up to me, I shouldn't be up here this morning. Broken people with broken pasts, with flaws and things that would disqualify us. But Jesus, however, in his love and his grace, decides to use us, not because of us, but in spite of us. And we can rest in the fact that Jesus, uh, in knowing that Jesus is the one that's going to equip us. So for application today, I just want to suggest one idea for us to do. You know, it's a simple application, but it's not going to be an easy one. 
and that's surrender. You know, maybe it's the fear of taking a new job. Or maybe it's the insecurity of believing that you don't have what it takes to step out into the call that God's put on your life. You know, maybe it's an addiction, like I said before, and you're tired of fighting it. Or maybe your Christian walk, you've been doing the whole church thing, doing the day-to-day, it's become mundane, you've become complacent, it's become mediocre. You wanted to see it become passionate again. I want to suggest that that's something that you can surrender to God today. I want to suggest today that sometimes if we're going to hold on to the equipment that Jesus wants to provide for us, we have to let go of things that we have in our own life first. So maybe it's our own power. We're depending on our own strength, our own abilities, and the things that we can bring to the table. You know, maybe it's our own purposes. We have this plan for our life, but when we really take a look at it, it's not really lined up with what God might want for us. Or maybe it's our own provision. We're trying so hard to make ends meet, and we're really trusting God to actually provide us with what we need. I want to finish with this. The same Jesus who equipped the 12 in the text that we read this morning is the same Jesus that's going to equip you today. Let's pray together. Um, God, I just want to thank you for who you are. And I thank you that out of your divine plan for us, you decide to use us in our own brokenness, our own insecurity, our own doubts, and our own fears. I thank you that you equip us for the life that you call us to as your disciples. So God, at this time, we just surrender the things that might be holding us back from experiencing your equipment, your power, your purposes, and your provision for our lives. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.